This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome to uh, the Old Lady Speaks, the first edition of uh, the Black and White and Red All Over podcast here on uh, SB Nation. Uh, this is uh, your your blog overlord, Danny, coming to you. Uh, I'm here with three of my cohorts, man hanging out with the Sopranos in New Jersey, Sam Lepresti. Hello, Sam. Hey, what's up, guys? Mr. Chucks, the uh, Dutch icon of the blog. Good afternoon, everyone. And uh, the large adult father of Paulo Dybala, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, how's everyone doing? Happy to be here. This is our, uh, like I said, this is our maiden voyage here on the podcast. Just uh, thank you all for your name suggestions. As you could tell, we figured out one. We're looking forward to this, uh, this, this little uh, adventure we're going on. So uh, just first and foremost, obviously, uh, we're recording this on Sunday, May 3rd. The day before a decent amount of uh, Italian clubs return to training. So uh, I guess the, the main question would be for you guys, what have you been doing since you've been unlocked? We'll start with uh, Mattia Delict's uh, Countryman Chucks. What have you been up to, my friend? Uh, thank you, Danny. Um, I really haven't been up to much football related. I mean, I've taken the opportunity to just to work on my, uh, on my book. Uh, you say soccer, I say football, which I've, of course, announced uh, on the website uh, a while ago. And really just kind of disconnected from football a little bit. And I paid more attention to the societal kind of inter- intersection between football and, um, and society and politics 
Uh, I think a good example of that was just um, the overall debate between between the Italian government and uh, the Italian football in general. So you know them asking asking clubs asking clubs asking players really to take wage cuts and then just a general debate on that. Okay, whose decision is that? Is it uh, the players that have to voluntarily come forward to say, okay, we'll take a pay cut, or is it just should it come from the top down and they say, okay, players, you guys got to take a cut. Um, so I've been paying attention more to issues like that and just, um, yeah, just society and just how football is kind of trying to trying to find its place within this uh, COVID-19 crisis. But other than that, yeah, writing my book, uh, trying to promote it and uh, staying safe. A quick note for you, Chucks. Um, since obviously I'm going with the nickname rather than the full name for uh, everybody out there, how the heck do we pronounce your full name? <laughs> well, as, uh, as they would say on, uh, on television, my government name is uh, Edward Patrick Akinyemi. I go by Edward, Ed, whatever. Um, I've gone, gone by a lot of names, and I suppose since I have a since I have a floor now, I should clear that up. So uh, basically, um, I'm originally Nigerian. Uh, my family uh, they just were born and raised in in Nigeria. They moved to the Netherlands in uh, the early '90s, and well, then I was born. Uh, so I grew up in the Netherlands. And the thing about Nigerians, which I'm sure any Nigerians listening will know, is that we have. We have our English names, so like, you know, Gregory, Bob, John, whatever. And then we have our Nigerian names, which is like Olatunji, Ifai, Oluadapo, any any Nigerians listening, they'll build on what I'm talking about. So my English name, if you will, is just Edward Patrick. And then my Nigerian name is uh, Chukweku. So Chuku for short or Chucks for even shorter. So that's where all of that comes from. and. Uh, that's why that's that's why I took that name as my uh, I suppose pen name really <laughs> on uh, on on the blog and of course my last name is Zakinyemi so that's just a so Chuck's a so there's that Sam what about you what have you been up to lots a lot of a lot of staying safe uh, as you know experimenting with uh, certain kitchen things because got a lot of it in the uh, in the wedding registry that didn't quite have a chance to use until now. Uh, also taking the opportunity that I have now to, again, I know I've written this at least once before, but to thank everybody uh, early in the summer who uh, wished us wished us well uh, in the comments um, when Danny so graciously mentioned that uh, the wedding was the next day. Um, uh, that was, uh, uh, that was very touching to me. And, uh, and I just wanted to thank you guys again. Um, uh, other than that, uh, you know, I've been, been exploring exploring certain things to write both here and elsewhere as obviously you know uh, my Peruzzi article which came out of a, a discussion I had amongst friends and um, and I'm actually currently searching out uh, some other interesting older Juventini to maybe uh, profile in a similar manner um, for the future especially goodness knows when we're gonna get games again started looking started looking through Liam Brady uh, for one, maybe we'll see about him. But um, yeah, other than that, just just really trying to stay as safe and careful as I can. You know, it uh, means a lot for me, especially because my wife is slightly has a slightly higher risk um, because she had pneumonia a, a few years ago, and that left some uh, some some lung problems. Um, other than that, just 
you know, trying to stay connected, stay sane and, uh, and, and stay, stay safe. I just want to add uh, for Sam, uh, for the listeners, Sam is wearing a uh, Milos Krasic jersey that he uh, mentioned in one of our Jersey Week articles. So, uh, so the, th- the other, the three of us on the call outside of Sam are, are getting to admire the, uh, the memories of, of when Milos was, was good and uh, Gigi Del Neri was screaming at him about 5,000 times with the... <laughs> within the first half so uh we'll uh we'll get you involved here sergio as the uh as the uh guy who is living outside of the united states what uh what have you been up to and i guess what uh what has it been like for your uh your country down in mexico yeah i mean right now i'm coming to you live from my childhood bedroom actually um i work in i live and work in mexico city and as soon as the you know, the order was given to everyone to, you know, start doing home office, that, that type of stuff. I just got, you know, out of Dodge as fast as possible because, you know, Mexico City being the biggest city in the country by far, you know, that's where the, you know, the biggest amount of people with, with this, you know, virus were. So I definitely had to, you know, I was lucky and I was blessed enough to, to have a, a job that was very accommodating to everyone in, in regards to that, you know. So everyone just kind of left. I, I'm actually, I would love to give um, an answer about what I've been up to, you know, as good as, as Sam and Chucks, you know, just all really improving themselves as people. Um, I've been just playing old video games, actually. I've been doing a lot of vintage video gaming. Um, it's been fun. It's been really good, actually. Uh, I've been doing a bit of reading, catching up on old shows, uh, Bad Brothers. Great show, never saw it, way before my time. I'm catching up on it now. Uh, so yeah, I've been mostly doing that. Uh, writing, I had, you know, I've been still collaborating whenever I can with, you know, with the blog. And I also did a feature about my hometown club, Puebla FC, which ran on our sister site, FMS State of Mind, here in the SB Nation Network. So that's a, a bit of a, a feature thing about what it's like to actually go to a game here in Mexico. I thought it came out really well and I had most of it done and then the COVID-19 happened. So I had to you know, rewrite a whole bunch of things because now everything was with, you know, with the context of, oh, remember when we could you know, go outside and actually watch a game. So it was really kind of like an enjoyable thing to write. So, I mean, if anybody wants to, to read it, you can find it there. But yeah, outside of that, I've just been, you know, like the other guys, just trying to be safe, uh, trying to be as productive as possible here at home. But yeah, I'm just happy to he- to hear that everyone in this new podcast is doing fine. And I mean, just missing football, missing sports in general. I think that's something that everyone's going through. Do you have any video game recommendations for uh, for the listeners? Oh, if you're a fan of like really geeky, nerdy stuff, uh, I, I actually played Fire Emblem, which is like a, a like a turn-based video game for the Wii. So like I'm talking old video games, and it was actually really fun. Uh, I'm doing now the NBA 2K20, trying to bring my, you know, make the leap character into the big leagues. I'm failing spectacularly at it because I'm bad, which you know I'm just trying to to improve on that. But yeah, I mean that, that's what I'm working right now. I'll keep you updated if I'm ever 
serviceable at, at that game. So you didn't create yourself with 99 ratings all over the place? No, they actually, they, they, that's what I don't like about modern video games. They don't allow for that. So you have to like play it straight. You have to actually put in the work, which is, I don't like it at all. But you know, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm still like a bench warmer. So we'll figure it out. Very nice. Well, since this is a Juventus podcast, we'll talk a little bit about Juventus. We don't have any games to talk about since we haven't seen them play in two months. So uh, I, I thought it'd be a good idea for us to kind of go down the, the list here and uh, see what some of the lasting memories of the season to date has been. You know, good memories, not the team playing crappy for three months. We can start with, uh, with Sam. For me, I think uh, as both Inter games were, were standouts, seeing as how they both ended up being the the best i think the the two best and most complete games they've played all year barring maybe the 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 Bayer Leverkusen match um uh but what really what's what's what really kind of was sticking around in my brain was like the first half of the Napoli game the second game of the season just thinking to myself everyone here's everyone expecting us to be having a huge to be having huge problems early in the season and and not really do and not and you know you know maybe even staking you know staking one of the competitors to a, a somewhat sizable lead early, and then we came out and just Juve came out and and made Napoli look like they were a second t- division team, and it was I, I remember turning to a friend of mine. At, at the bar that I always go to watch games at, uh, the football factory here uh, in New York, and saying, if this is us now, imagine how terrified the rest of Serie A must be right now. And obviously it hasn't come to, quite come to pass that way, but it, 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 was, it was that, that glimpse of, the, of what the future might be. And it's, and it's one of the reasons that I am still okay with I was uh, until the, I mean, goodness knows how this is going to turn out now that, it, you know, if we have a rest of the season now that there's, you know, now that we've had this massive interruption, but it's the, the biggest reason why I was more inclined to be patient with Maurizio Sari um, than a lot of other people was I saw when I saw that and I said, if that's the team unprepared, for lack of a better term, uncooked. Um, imagine what it would look like when it's, you know, if, if it comes to that. And I am, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping we end, I hope we end up getting to see that. I really am. Yeah, no, I can remember um, just from that game alone, um, rewriting my post-game thread about 15 different times because you're, you're up, you're up three, nothing. You're thinking, all right, this, this is done. Um, and I mean, you know, the, the journalist inside of me is like, you know, the, the sooner you can get your story done, the better. And then all of a sudden it's three, three and you know, you, you're, I'm 500, 600 words into what I'm saying, all just blown up and gone to hell. And then, you know, you get the, just the cherry on top of beating Napoli with the way that Juventus did it. And it's just like, I mean, th- that was about as wild of a game and just a roller coaster of emotions, I'm sure, for anybody on either side of it that, you know, we really haven't seen in 
a good amount of time. Yeah, and and it it, it also just a little bit of a kind of the, more of the same from Napoli. Napoli seems to like expend all of their mental energy on something against Juventus before they actually reach a goal. Like, you know, when, when, when we lost on the Koulibaly header that one game, they were still a point behind us and were celebrating like they had won like all the trophies. And then the next week they came out and flopped against Fiorentina. And that's, it was a lot the same way. When they scored that equalizing goal, they were going nuts. <laughs> Um, but the job wasn't done yet. <laughs> what you got there, uh, there, Sergio? Yeah, no, just, I mean, to kind of like, you know, mention that what Sam brought up when he started, uh, you know, in his main point about Napoli, I think, you know, just talking about the best moments for Juve this season, you have to go with the two enter games, definitely. I mean, those were seemingly the only games they, they kind of, I mean, they just brought it. They just—it just seemed like they cared, which, which is weird to talk, to say about a professional team. You know, they should care every time. It's literally their job. But you know, that was those were really the only two games where you were like, okay, they were like focused from the get-go. They they played their hearts out every single moment, and it just seemed to kind of be the two best games by far in the season. But I also didn't want to forget just, you know, Champions League. We, you know, the team as a whole, I don't think ever really performed up to their abilities, up to what we were expecting of them. They did finish first in the group. You know, I mean, at some point you also have to acknowledge, you know, just getting the results. But, you know, the last, the last taste of that, of Champions League, you know, action we, we got before, you know, the, the long, the long, long wait for more football was, you know, that, that lost against Leon. So I think something kind of got forgot there. And I just wanted to, to bring a spotlight to Douglas Costa bailing us out in Russia. I think that was one of the best moments of the season. It was a horrible game to watch, a horrible game to, to just sit through. Um, I was bored the entire time. And I'm supposed to like, I, I like Juventus. I like watching them play. I'm supposed to write about them. And I was like, I don't know what to write about these guys. They're just like playing terribly. It's boring. It's dull. I hate it. And then Costa just kind of like came out of nowhere, did what I think by far has been the best play of his Juve career. Maybe his whole career. I don't know. But, you know, he just, you know, pulled it out of, out of a hat to get those three points and kind of like keep the, the European campaign, you know, going to where it should. So... So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of like, you know, mention that so we don't forget that, you know, while the results were there for the most part, I mean, as, as, we, as we speak, Juve is first in the table, you know, they, again, like I said, they finished first in the group for Champions League. But, you know, the results were not always there on the field, but just those flashes of brilliance, you know, they're, they're worth spotlighting. Chucks, is it fair to say that Juventus signing Matthias De Ligt was your moment of the season, seeing as you both grew up in uh, Holland? <laughs> and actually, to add to that, he actually, um, I think he went to my hometown club for, he was, sorry, he was born in uh, my hometown, uh, Leiderdorp, uh, for any, you know, anyone that knows there. Um, but he didn't play there for very long. He went off to Ajax very early and then on and on and on we go. But um, yeah, I mean, that just, that's definitely a very, very happy moment for me to see Matthijs do uh, do so do well up and down, but in general stabilize his performances and just 
seem comfortable uh, playing alongside Bonucci for the most part. No, uh, but my favorite moment uh, besides that is actually it's it's not really a moment; it's more of a trend uh, along the season, and that's the involvement of uh, Gonzalo Iwain just in the team in general. You know, when I mean, obviously he came back from Milan, and you know he just had such a such a chastised career. You know, he's I mean he was booted out of the club when uh, Ronaldo was signed, had a pretty miserable time at AC Milan. Uh, 40 year, I think it was a deep one season that he was there. And then, you know, he comes back and people think, oh, right, well, is he, you know, is he going to be evolved? Is he, what, what is he actually going to do? Is he going to be a bench player? Is he actually going to be a starting player? Does he still have it? Does he still have any kind of performance left in him after just such a disappointing dip in his career? Not just at Milan, but at, at Chelsea as well. And of course, all his, uh, trials and tribulations with uh, Argentina. I mean, you know, I actually, on a side note, I remember when he retired, there was a, there was a press conference with him and, uh, you know, they asked him about his comments, you know, like, hey, Gonzalo, how do you feel about retiring? And I think he said something along the lines of, well, I know that a lot of people will be happy to see me retire. So to that, to these people, you know, here you have what you want or something, something along those lines. I thought, oh my God, you know, <laughs> poor man, poor man has just been just, chastised all over the place and called a you know a choker and just just had a pretty rough time in his career so you know I have a soft spot for him uh, in general and you know I wrote that article uh, when he left uh, I think it was it was must have been 2018 I think it was mid 2018 around about when he left I wrote that uh, a farewell letter to Gonzalo Higuain if uh, anyone wants to look that one up which uh, honestly was, uh, I've never really told anyone this, but that was probably my favorite and my best articles I've ever written, actually, um, in, in my life. So, I mean, that was, uh, you know, it, it was very genuine, you know, and I, I do feel, I definitely do empathize with him as, just as a human being. So uh, to see him come back and to see him, him involved in the team, genuinely involved and in playing lots of games and not necessarily scoring any fucking loads of goals, but just being an important strategic asset for a team and just to see him play well and just be involved and seem pretty happy um, that was definitely my overall favorite trend and just moments uh, of the season so far and of course uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. De Ligt uh, seeing him uh, involved. I mean I remember the uh, article I wrote early September during the first international break of the season which was uh, basically headlined, so Gonzalo Higuain contributing at Juventus this season is actually a thing. I wasn't sure what to make of him contributing as much as he did right off the bat. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, this dude is playing well. Just stick with it. And, you know, as much as we wanted to see uh, Dybala play, Higuain's, you know, making Sarri look good. So, I mean, if, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, that, that was one of those, one of those things where, uh, you know, he, he, he was definitely one of the easy early season surprises, even when things started kind of going on a downward trend and the, the team's form was getting worse and worse. I guess I'll throw in a couple, obviously, uh, speaking of uh, Argentinian players, uh, Dybala's free kick, 
from that just absolutely absurd angle was just one of those things where I'm, I'm watching at home and you just, it, if you didn't get out of your seat, I mean, and just say just obscenity after obscenity, um, it was just the angle alone to have the audacity to attempt it was, was one thing, but the, to do it against one of the best goalkeepers, if not the best goalkeeper in the world right now, um, was an amazing, amazing thing. And that kind of, that was kind of the announcement that this Dybala wasn't the same as last year's Dybala, just because the confidence alone. Um, and then being the, the Buffon homer that I am, his save uh, against Bologna, that, that's just, I mean, as you guys know, you know, that's, that, that was my, uh, Facebook header picture for months just you know as he's making contact with the ball with his hand to tip it over to bar for my you know for my favorite player to do that it's one thing but for him to do it at his age after he's basically been ridiculed all summer for coming back by you know people who don't really know the situation people saying you know chasing trophies all that stuff that was that was great to see so I really enjoyed the the uh, the turn derby as well uh particularly with you know with all of the stuff that Delict had been going through, you know, with with the the numerous handballs that were all just perplexing everybody, at you know he had gone through a series of, uh, you know, a ser- he'd gone through a series of games up to that point where he was really looking a lot better, and then he scores, you know, he scores to win the derby, and and played a, an enormous defensive game on top of it. Um, it was really kind of the first moment that he had arrived in a UV shirt. And uh, I'm, I'm down. I, I really just loved watching that. And I, it, it just, it, it makes me, I, I try not to get upset over transfer rumors, but it makes me, it boggles my mind. All these people who were talking about how Delict is not in the, you know, falling down the pecking order and, and, you know, maybe Manchester United wants him. Maybe, you know, Barcelona's always wanted him. Maybe he'll go there this summer. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? You know, yes, he was, he was on the for a long time. He was on the shelf for a long time because he was injured, which no one likes to mention. We just spent how many millions on him? And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah. Yeah, no. Let's, and, let's go with all these defenders who are over thirty instead. Yeah, and and Demiral, who was you know Demiral played fantastic before he got hurt. Don't get me wrong, um, but also you know Delict was you know Delict had a shoulder that was hanging by a couple of threads at that point, and so yeah, you know Demiral impressed everybody, and everybody's like, oh, he's passed him in the pecking order. No, he's hurt. Stop trying to go for the clicks and just look at the news. He's not. He is not fit. Oh, for the clicks. You tell that to the British and Spanish press. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No We got a few uh, Twitter questions here to uh, wrap things up. Thankfully, our, uh, our followers on the Twitter machine were uh, able to come through. So uh, I guess we'll go with this uh, first one here from uh, Chuck's, Chuck's boy, Handy Vandy. He go, he's got a twofer. What are, what are all of your favorite transfer speculations so far? And how many large adult sons will there be by the start of week one next season? <laughs> so we'll, we'll, tur- we'll turn it over to somebody like myself who's got a large adult son on the squad. And Sergio, how many large adult sons do you think you will have, Mr. Romero? I think I'm good. I think I, I want to keep it short. I, I don't never wanted a big family, you know, just kind of spiraled after <laughs> after Dybala and, and Bentancur, which I share with, with Danny and the league. Right. I think I'm good with that. I think those three I'm good with. It's it's wild because um, you know, you do I'm pretty sure I'm the same age as Dybala, so it's weird that I'm I'm his father, but you know, it was just one of those things that he, you know, when I kind of like got really back into into you know following Juventus and everything, he was kind of like the big shiny new signing, and you know, it was his first season. That's when he started to like develop. So it was like immediately, like, oh, that's my guy. Like immediately, like that's that's the guy that I can hold over everyone else here in Mexico who roots for Real Madrid or Barcelona and nobody else. So it's like, okay, I'll hold this guy over you guys. Like, this guy's just as good. So that's kind of how the, the whole thing started. But, yeah, outside of that, it's just it's just Dybala and the Licht, really. Those are, are the guys that I, w- I will go to work for. No no problem. Chuck says, the uh, transfer expert of the group, what's been your favorite transfer uh, speculation thus far? <laughs> um, well, I'm going to go for the boring answer, really. Um, I suppose Sandro Tonali. Um, potentially coming to Juventus, potentially going to Inter. Uh, nobody really knows what's going on there. Uh, that seems like an interesting one. I mean, I've, I obviously don't, uh, I mean, I haven't watched him play live that much. So, you know, admittedly, I cannot say too much about him, but, uh, or too much personally about him on that respect. But, you know, I've heard very interesting things about him. Uh, I've heard in terms of the type of player he is. I mean, he sounds definitely very useful to Juventus. Uh, given how much we need of uh, midfield reinforcements. And, you know, young young lad, uh, Italian as well, and just sounds, sounds like an interesting guy. So, you know, that, that sounds uh, like hopefully a very good uh, potential transfer there. Although, obviously, there's a bidding war. Sounds like there's a bidding war going on there. So I'm not going to get my hopes up too much about that. Uh, and then secondly, uh, Federico Chiesa, um, you know, the ever, <laughs> everlasting... Uh, ongoing transfer rumor there with him. Will he? Won't he? He might. He might not. So I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm very curious to to see if if he does decide to leave Fiorentina. First of all, uh, see how loyal he is to Fiorentina, and then if he leaves, I mean, does he stay within Italy? Um, you know, will they allow him sort of to stay in Italy, or will they pressure him to leave the country? Uh, if he does stay, does he then come to Juventus? Does he go to Inter? I mean, who knows? There's uh, so much there. So, you know, and then I was going to say uh, Kulusevsky, but I mean, he's already joined. So, you know, he's, uh, he's here. And then, you know, he seems uh, to be ready to join the big guys. So uh, those are kind of my uh, 
two and a half picks, I suppose. I think uh, if another Fiorentina player by the first name of Federico joins Juventus, our, our friends at Viola Nation might just explode. Just for the comedy alone, I think maybe having Chiesa even reportedly come close to signing with Juventus would just be fun for the hell of it to mess with them some more. But uh, Sam, I'll, I'll, I'll send the next question over to you from uh, R. Rusitano. Was Panish's downturn this season caused by injury or something else? Oh man, that's a that's a question because I, I think it I think it is I'm going to injury specifically no when I when you say something else I think that something else is fatigue um, I think this was a problem with him uh, under Allegri the last two years as well um, if you were to if you were to go on who scored and look at his minute counts the last three seasons or so they are insane. Um, and I, I, it's just the last couple of years, it's, it's kind of become a trend. And I don't think it's something that you can be really ignore anymore is that if he doesn't get it, Pjanic seems to be the kind of guy that if he doesn't get proper rest, his game starts to deteriorate. And I think that, and I think that that problem, I think that problem started cropping up again. I mean, Saudi has actually done a better job of rotating the squad than he has done at most of his other spots. Um, but at the same time, Pjanic was not one of those people. Um, and I think when you combine that problem with wrapping his head around this new system that ostensibly he is perfect for, but he hasn't really been able to get his head around, it doesn't seem like. Um, I think those are the two major... I, I think it's that combination that's really seen uh, the downturn. I think he's exhausted. And I think that that exhaustion has made it so that he uh, hasn't been able to assimilate the new stuff from Saudi as well as he might. All right. One last uh, Twitter question before we sign off here uh, from uh, Alessandro Cultura. Uh, assuming he leaves this summer, what would you rate Bernardeschi's time at Juve uh, out of 10? First of all, I'll probably say 6.5. So um, his standout time, of course, was – during uh, that Atletico de Madrid game, the second leg comeback game uh, against uh, Atleti, um, where he, you know, he had a fantastic game and, uh, against uh, Atleti to help us come back in that uh, historic 3-0 comeback. For the rest, he's had a difficult time at Juventus. I mean, he's, I think his roles changed from, and that happens a lot with, you know, standout players at smaller clubs coming to, coming to very big clubs then it's like, well, they're not really going to be the star anymore of uh, the club that they're coming to, in this case, coming to Juventus. Uh, they're not going to be the star anymore. I mean, you know, you have Ronaldo, you have Higuain, you have Dybala, you have uh, Bonucci, Kiani. I mean, you have all these big players here. So, yeah, you're not going to be the star. And given that, I mean, he had to play more of an auxiliary role. I mean, he had to play sometimes as wingback. And, I mean, I think he did that job well. And I mean, I think he sacrificed well for the team to help out more defensively, to cover more in order to allow the bigger guys kind of to, to shine and to, to have more offensive freedom. But in terms of his attacking contributions, yeah, I mean, they weren't really as good as we would have liked, I think. But I think defensively he did well. I think he sacrificed for the collective. And in that sense, he 
he did what well, I appreciate what he did in that sense, in that sacrifice. But I think we expected more. I think we expected a bit more glamour, I guess, uh, a bit more offensive contribution. And I think we just didn't get it. And it reminds me of something that uh, Tim Bickery always says, one of my favorite journalists, of course. Uh, he says that the individual can only shine if the collective context is right. So was the collective context maybe not right for uh, Bernadeschi? Who knows? Uh, who knows? Um, I think it probably wasn't in a sense that it, it didn't it didn't optimize for his attacking contributions at Juventus, but I think defensively he did well. I think he he definitely helped the collective well and he provided balance for the team. So I appreciate him for that. And then he was always professional. You know, he didn't do any stupid stuff on social media. Didn't say anything stupid. He just he just did did you know he worked hard and. He put in his work for the team, and I uh, wish him well if he doesn't. He does stupid stuff on social media, but it involves him showing off his abs and bulldogs. So, you know. Yeah, I think we can forgive him for that. I think that's just fine. <laughs> you know, just as the as a whole grade, I'm a, I was a big uh, Bernardeschi fan when he was brought in. I'm I'm still. I know it's probably not going to happen, but I still hold some hope that he will put it together. It will probably not happen at Juventus. As a grade, I think, you know, I would, I would go same as Chuck, 6.5, maybe 6. I'm almost want to give him an incomplete because he, he got a rough deal here, you know, just coming from, you know, when with Allegri at first and he kind of never could figure out a position for him. And then, you know, with Sari, the same thing happened. Something that we also, you know, I don't think we really talk about is when you come to a big club like, you know, the Juves of the world, it's not when you play, that doesn't just mean that you're playing. It means that someone else is not. So if you're starting, it's because, you know, we have Costa on the bench. Or if you're starting, it's because we have Iwain on the bench. Or if you're starting, it's because we have players that are really, really good that are not playing because you're out there. So when you fail to perform, that has to take a toll on a guy just mentally. And, you know, he just never kind of could figure out his, his spot in the, in the lineup, you know, when he played, well, Dybala can't play there when, you know, he could, he would always be taking, you know, place out of someone else. And that was what led to him just, you know, being played all over this year. I mean, you know, you're talking about, in playing in the hole and then playing in the midfield and as a winger. And like, if you're a player, like that just doesn't really lead to building consistency to, you know, just being in a position in a club. So I think he just kind of like got a really rough deal here. Also, I mean, you know, he might not just be as good as we thought he was, you know, really good players kind of rise, rise to the expectations. He never could, it's, it's a shame. Also, because I'm pretty sure his first year, you know, when he was playing his best football, he got injured. And that kind of, you know, made his whole season, uh, like, took it out of whack. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that it wouldn't surprise me in the least if, you know, Juve sold him in the summer to, I don't know, some Milan, for example, and he, you know, he thrived there. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all because he's talented. We've seen it, you know, he plays better in the Italian national team. It just, it, it can never really work for him. You're a Juven, you know, in a big club, you get one season, two seasons tops, and, and that's it. If you, if you couldn't pan out, you know, you, you, you didn't. So 
that's that. Plus, we got uh, Marco Piacca coming back. I know, you know, he could still, he could still do something. <laughs> he dies. He's, you know, I mean, he's coming back from the injury. Who knows? I mean, that's going to be a crowded, crowded, you know, winger position. So, yeah, best of luck to the guy. I'm sure he'll he'll kill it. Who would have thought that Marco Piazza would be uh, the last Croatian standing at Juventus when you compare him and Mario Mandzukic? I mean, Don't get me started on Mandzukic, my heart. And <laughs> that'll be the next podcast. <laughs> no, but when it comes to Bernadeschi, I think I'm in, I'm in agreement. Six. Uh, if I was rating him on one of, if I was giving him like a match grade, and his three seasons were on there, I might have even dipped him to a five-five based on this season. But that's really not fair to him. I think, like you guys said, he. I mean, I, I disagree slightly with what when Sergio says that he never he didn't really find a position. He has a position. His performances in the national team show that he has a position. He's an inverted right winger. That is where he because the, his the difference, especially this season, in his performances in the Italian setup and the and his performances with Juventus are stark, and it shows you, it shows you what a guy can do when he's being utilized. Right. And I think that's where he needs to be. Thing is, is he going to be playing on that on the right wing, you know, this season, next season at Juventus, it would take some, it would take some doing. Um, I'm in agreement with Sergio. I think that if, you know, he were to go to, I actually think Roma would be a a really good landing spot for him uh, in terms of helping him revive his career a little bit. Um, I think if he goes somewhere else and is given that, that, that spot on that, right wing to to live in and make his own um i think we'll i think we'll see him jump back up in in quality in a big way but i i also i i think his time here is over i you know between you know whether or not douglas costa stays but then you've got kulusevsky coming up who's also really playing that position at uh um at parma right now it's uh, it, it's sad. I really liked it. Uh, you know that that Atleti game will live down in you know will live in memory for a long time. Um, I remember he scored a really great free kick from a freaky angle against Fiorentina, his first season at the Artemio Franchi, that probably sent you know a bunch of people down to to Ponte Vecchio, and you know, <laughs> but that uh, I think that his talent is there. I think he's he's a very good footballer but he, it, it never worked out. It never worked out for him here. Um, I would, but I would, I would put money on it working out for him elsewhere. He's still very young, which is another thing that we don't often think about, but yeah, I, I, I would say probably a six because those first two years were good. Those first two years when he was good, he was good. And this year he just got moved around so much while Saudi was trying to figure out how to fit the team into his, into his system that he never was able to figure out where to go. He's 26. I mean, that's, it's, it's crazy to think about this. Uh, yeah. He, Cause he, he's been, he feels like he's been around forever. Yeah. He was at Fiorentina. He was in the first team at Fiorentina for what, at least four years. Well, that, uh, that wraps up for the, the debut episode of uh, the old lady speaks. I want to thank uh, my three cohorts here, Sam Chucks and Sergio, you know, we'll hopefully, uh, get this uh get this uh podcast going on a regular basis um who knows what the schedule will be like when they do potentially resume play so we might not even have time for a podcast but uh yeah i just want to thank you guys you three were were the ones who kind of pushed uh pushed it over ed in terms of getting the uh podcast going so i appreciate it uh 
from your end, want to thank everybody for listening and and uh, hey guys, we we got the first episode done. Woo woo! <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank, and and thanks to everybody who was listening. We don't without you guys. Everything we write, everything we say on here is just screaming into the void. We're really, really grateful for all of you guys. We definitely are. All right. For uh, for Sergio, uh, Chuck, and Sam, this is uh, Danny Penza uh, signing off. <laughs>